0: Brought to you by the Reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Caroline. And I'm Kristen. Kristen, you and I talked on our TV episode not too long ago about some of the, the female characters, female writers, the fact that there were more women on TV. Yes. And this is a good thing.
0: Yeah, and one name that came up that is still um, in the the media a lot is
1: Zoe Deschanel. Yes, and one reason that she's still circulating in the
0: media a lot... Well, it's because The New Girl did great. Sure, yes. It's doing very well. Uh, It was renewed for a second season. And also because it reignited this conversation that started in 2007 about a film and TV trope referred to as Manic Pixie Dream Girls. Yeah, I bet a lot
1: of you are rolling your eyes right now. If you know what it is. Mm -hmm. If you know what it is. If you search... it's kind of funny to do a search for Manic Pixie Dream Girl because you can tell there's a, an Internet debate going on. People are either very angry or defensive or hateful or whatever. And so some of those titles that pop up, why are Manic Pixie Dream Girls getting dumber? I'm afraid I'm a Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Manic Pixie Dream Girls are the scourge of modern cinema. Just as a, as a few examples. Yeah,
0: that's coming from the gloss, Exo Jane, and Jezebel, respectively. So, uh, from those three, we uh, I'm sensing a little negativity. There's there is a little, but I mean, what's to hate?
1: This is this is a character to get into it. Who is basically she's bubbly, she's
0: happy. Yeah, what, what could be wrong with her? She that? has uh, diverse interests mm-hmm. that tend toward the artsy. She tends to listen to. Uh, vinyl records and indie rock music. Now I sound like my mom. <laughs> the kids in their rap She, uh, she probably has some nice vintage threads. Yeah. Well, the, the term was actually
1: coined, uh, by AV Club's Nathan Rabin in 2007 to describe Kirsten Dunst's uh, quirky female love interest character in Elizabethtown, which that movie itself has also garnered a lot of um, anti-praise
0: yeah, it's, on the internet. It's terrible. If you haven't seen it, I don't recommend that you see it. Cause it's I don't, bad. I would not want to be responsible for that hundred minutes of your life gone.
1: Exactly. And so the whole thing is, you know, Kirsten Dunst is this bubbly little flight attendant and she takes, uh, Orlando Bloom, that's who it is, that's mm-hmm. the guy, who's depressed and things are going terribly for him and all this terrible stuff keeps happening and she comes along and brightens his
0: day and changes his whole life. And sends him on, uh, well, spoiler alert, sends him on this road trip that is perfectly timed with a mixtape that she created, which to me is just creepy because at that point in the movie, she's known the guy for like a week or something, and yet she's, <laughs> uh, she's orchestrated this whole thing. And I gotta say, I mean, like, Kirsten Dunst, it's nothing against her. Uh, her acting abilities, like I, I enjoy her generally on film. And Kirsten Dunst in Elizabethtown is different, I would say, than this whole thing that is morphed into the uh, Manic Pixie Dream Girl that we hear about a lot with Zoe mm-hmm. and similar characters. And alongside the Manic Pixie Dream Girl is is that down and out guy. You know, the the arrival of the manic pixie dream girl is usually preceded by some kind of close up of him in bed, but yet with bags <laughs> under his eyes indicating sleeplessness or substance abuse <laughs> or a montage of his life slowly falling apart and his his clothing becoming more and more disheveled. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And then, you know, a little burst of pixie dust arrives on the screen. <laughs> Exactly,
1: just like a Muppet or something. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, Rabin, his definition for this character is basically that she exists solely in the fevered imaginations of sensitive writer-directors to teach broodingly soulful young men to embrace life and its infinite mysteries and adventures. Or, as Anita Sarkeesian at Feminist Frequency puts it, she is a shining beacon of childlike joy that will rejuvenate our fallen hero.
0: And that sounds great. Yeah, but what about her? (laughs) Yeah, well, she'll just, she'll flitter away on some wings that she's crafted out of tool and <laughs> glitter and lace. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. She she just falls by the wayside because she doesn't really matter at the end. It's really the transformation of the male hero, who is almost always straight, almost always white. Same thing, and we'll talk about race in a minute. Uh Manic Pixie Dream Girl, a very cookie-cutter kind of white character, too, um, and in addition to Elizabethtown uh, and Zoe D. in The New Girl. And all th- 500 Days of Summer. Th- yeah, really 500 Days of Summer. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I've got to say, I have seen every episode of The New Girl. I am a closet, now out of the closet. I just came out. Fan, as a fan of. That. This is quite, a, that's quite a change from your attitude when we talked
1: about the TV show back on our TV episode.
0: Yeah, I mean, partially it is my lust over her glasses, which are <laughs> great. Um, but no, I, I find it enjoyable. And there's actually one episode where she's confronted by Lizzie Kaplan, who plays a more serious female character, about being so girly. And she's just like, what? This is who I am. I've always liked being crafty and cutesy, and it doesn't mean that I'm stupid.
1: And that's part of the argument. That's a lot of the debate going on online, I feel like, is you have these people who are saying, you're a grown-up woman, you're talking about kitties and cupcakes, I'm not going to listen to you. Mm -hmm. But then there's this other group of women saying, like, so what if I'm girly? That doesn't take away my power. But then there's that third little middle argument that says, okay, you like cupcakes, but did you like cupcakes before this whole trend came along Mm -hmm. in pop culture? So...
0: Yeah. Um and just quickly to name I guess a couple more movies this pops up in Garden State. Oh yeah. Natalie Portman's character in that uh you have going back uh the AV Club also did a post on I think it's 15 or 16 movies featuring this trope and they even cite Annie Hall mm-hmm. as a manic pixie dream girl. Bringing up Baby with Catherine Hepburn. Yep. Saying that it goes way way back. But um in that gloss article that you mentioned why are MPDGs <laughs> getting dumber. Um, they say that from Catherine Hepburn down to Zoe she's become she's lost her agency.
1: Yeah, she's kind of become a caricature mm-hmm. of a of a carefree, fun-loving, independent, strong female down to somebody who stings when she's nervous and bakes cupcakes, which not that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, I like cupcakes. I do, too. Shoot. Man. Just because I don't bake them. (laughs)
0: If I I had more time. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, as New York Magazine pointed out in September 2011, um, there's also grumbling about alt heroines of the past. People like Winona Ryder and Parker Posey, who were had the same quirk, uh, but they had more of an edge to them. They might have left by the end of the movie because they just wanted to not because they they poofed into a a glitter bomb <laughs> left <laughs> that sounds like such a mess once you get glitter on you can never get it off it's everywhere yeah
1: i mean it's possible that um zoe dishinal's character and other manic pixie dream girls could just irritate the heck out of somebody with all their, like, sweetness and everything. But, you know, I I think that maybe the argument that they're very flat, two-dimensional characters is not always warranted.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, and I think that Zoe Deschanel herself would agree with you, Caroline, on that point. Uh, she said at one point, quote, that people equate being girly with being non-threatening. I mean, c- I can't think of a more blatant example of playing into exactly the thing that we're trying to fight against. I can't be girly. I think the fact that people are associating being girly with weakness, that needs to be examined. I don't think that it undermines my power at all. Right. But then part of the argument goes back to, OK, well, what are we doing with
1: this power and what are we doing with this girlishness and cuteness? Um, over at The Gloss, Jamie Peck back in January said that she she actually hates the Manic Pixie Dream Girl because while this character, this woman, has some pretty amazing intentions behind her, some pretty amazing characteristics, she those characteristics like living life to the fullest are often uh, made to seem trite and easily mocked. So uh, Peck was saying, basically, like, I share some of the characteristics of this stereotype, this trope. Mm -hmm. Like, I have some of the same freewheeling, carefree, independent attitudes. But characters like this, the media portrayal of women like this, is sort of ruining it for some of us, (laughs) basically.
0: Yeah, and there's the whole concern, too, of like, well, are we creating this message that men, what men need are, are girls, really, rather than more level-headed women who might not have the time or the desire to frolic in a meadow. You know, who might enjoy their blackberries and cubicles more. Yeah,
1: <laughs> right. And the the women versus girls debate and what men want was brought up by Willa Pashkin and the Vulture back in February. And she she said that this whole thing does kind of shed light on um, how women are choosing to portray themselves to men mm-hmm. and what they think men want. And so if there's this whole cutesy like, ah, manic pixie, yay let's run in the rain kind of thing and they go for it and they end up just looking like little girls.
0: Yeah, and it's also very heteronormative, a mm-hmm. white heteronormative trope that I think uh, gets to a lot of these feminist bloggers, um, and especially when it comes to that issue of race. It's something that the blog Racialicious has talked about. For instance, uh, blogger Tammy Winfrey Harris uh, wrote a post called, Who is the Black? Zoe Deschanal. And um, she says that the persona of... Manic Pixie Dream Girl is bound by class and race in that it's just this perpetual childhood and whiteness. She says, whereas black women might be portrayed uh, like a boho Lisa Bonet or more of the earth mother, Erica Badu, they're never carefree and childish.
1: Yeah, Harris points out that often in the media, uh, African-American women can be strong women, aggressive women, promiscuous women, Um, but they're never, they're never that same like, haha, kittens kind of portrayal. And she says even black girls are too often viewed as worldly women and not innocents.
0: Well, and that's because a lot of times, uh, African-American characters have tropes of their own that you are they're used with in movies to teach other people a lesson. They're their own, you know, manic pixie dream girls in their own ways where, you know, you'll have a a magical Morgan Freeman come in and teach the stuck-up white lady a lesson about how she needs to loosen up a little bit, and then he'll go and you'll appreciate her transformation Mm -hmm. instead. So, since we've talked about race, um, you know, how we don't see this... Trope reflected in the same way um, from people of different colors and ethnicities. What about gender? Where is the manic pixie dream guy?
1: Would the manic pixie dream guy be the same? Would he come flitting in with his own color of glitter and throw it at you and then kind of flitter off and disappear
0: after your transformation? Uh, Does it work the same? It will. It's funny that you asked that. <laughs> uh, there's a post on Nerve about this. They argue that an audience would not want to see a woman left on her own. That that would be more of a tragedy. That even if a manic pixie dream guy like the character in uh, Under the Tuscan Sun who comes and revives Diane Lane from her, from her woes <laughs> and breathes life back into her body and soul, even though he, spoiler alert, ends up... You know, not being with her at the end of the movie, we are still left satisfied because someone else comes along to take that place.
1: Right, just when you think.
0: Right, beautiful Tyan Lane in her Tuscan villa. What a shame! She has the magic guy who comes in and you know, and takes care of her and gets her on her way to taking care of herself. And then once she is, you know, her own person, and she has someone else to to uh, enjoy being with for the rest of her life. Exactly,
1: <laughs> for the rest. Of her life, but uh, yeah, they uh, at nerve. They say that male free spiritedness is often portrayed in a negative
0: light, and they say, "I'm looking at you, Don Draper." Yeah, because it's, it's just not the same. Well, it's the whole. It goes to the whole uh, dating logic of you know women not wanting to come across as too needy. You know, the fastest way. I mean, and I'm and I'm quoting uh, you know, stereotype now. Uh, the fastest way to to get a man to be attracted to you is to be unavailable. You know, whereas uh, men who are free spirited, they're just going to be bad boys and they're going to leave you and they're just going to probably collect lots of STDs and end up hurting you (laughs) at the end of the day. Uh, So, yeah, manic pixie dream guy would be someone that, you know, all of your friends would tell you to stay away from, probably.
1: Yeah. Who are the manic pixie dream guys out there? I
0: dated one. Did you? Yes, I did.
1: How did it? Did he have glitter?
0: Uh, no. Um, although I remember one night he ran into him and his his nails were painted, uh, but he was whimsical, you know, (laughs) and he, he left as quickly as he came. Hmm. So, but it was, the thing is, it, months down the line after the relationship, it, I realized that it did sort of force me to a point to where, um, it, it did kind of make me and do some positive things with myself. Good. Beyond my normal scope. Interesting. I'm not saying he's necessarily the reason why, but uh, it was a step along the way. Yeah. So there's been so much made of this manic pixie dream girl trope. Uh, and we want to talk about it because a listener had, had written in about it. But it's also been something that I had wanted to explore. And I didn't realize that, it, that the term has only been around since... 2007 but my goodness how much attention she has gotten and i wonder why she's gotten so much attention it's so it's a cluster of contemporary films um and yet, she arouses so much debate. She
1: does. Well, I mean, yeah, you have to wonder what's going on in, in the writers' minds that this is happening so much all of a sudden. But I like the distinction that a lot of these writers have drawn between characters like Zoe Deschanel and Natalie Portman and um Kate Winslet's character in uh, Eternal uh, Sunshine of a Spotless Mind. Yes, ma'am. Because she is that dream girl. She's kind of kooky and crazy and fun, but. She's portrayed as having real, actual problems. Yeah, and so that's what at Slate they pointed out that the the difference between a manic pixie dream girl and a just you know independent kooky female character, or
0: kind of like Kristen Wiig bridesmaids, right? It's the sense that something's actually wrong right. with the manic pixie dream girl. Yeah, uh, I'll be interested to hear from our listeners what what everyone thinks about it. Whether it's being you know, is it too big of a deal? I mean, uh Anita Sarkeesian over at Feminist Frequency links all of this to uh the problem of the female muse. You know, you think of Warhol, Dylan Picasso, Woody Allen, all of them have cited, you know, these female muses in their life who are the inspiration for their great art. And she says, you know, a manic pixie dream girl serves a similar thing with fictional characters too, you know, they are way too um they're a, a cipher. To allow them to do great things with their lives, and she takes issue with that because she says, "Well, these women should be standing on their own." But at the same time, I don't know. I think sometimes we might be making too much of the uh, high-waisted dresses and cupcakes.
1: Yeah, uh- and also I think people need to <clears throat> need to tone it down as far as hating on other women. Yeah, I mean, yes. Would I choose to associate with some of these women in real life? Maybe not. Like seriously, take your kitties and go elsewhere. <laughs> Yeah. lady. But I mean that doesn't mean that I think they're
0: less of a valid persona or personality. No, I think that's a good point. I think in the in the argument it's a slippery slope because in a lot of these arguments that are calling these tropes out for um you know maybe not portraying women as well, it it does quickly crumble into women hating on women. So, let's build each other up. Let's eat our cupcakes together. Yeah. And, you know, manic pixie dream guys, you can you can come to craft night as well. Well, with that little tidbit said, <laughs> I want to hear your stories. Mom stuff at discovery.com. Uh let us know what you think about the MPDGs. Too much, too little. Uh I don't know. And and guys too, do you find these women appealing? Do manic pixie dream guys exist? Lots to discuss. Yep. Send us your letters. Well, I've got an email here from Martha, and this is in response to our episode on giving the sex talk. And she writes, the other evening I was listening to the podcast on giving the talk to your children, and at first I thought, well, that sounds really hard, but at least I have a few years to to prepare for it. My daughter is 15 months old, so it really is a bit early. Then I thought again, my daughter has two moms, and we don't know who the father is. We know other same-sex couples with children. One of these children started asking why he didn't have a dad before he was two years old. So in fact, we are already working on our daughter's sex education now. We have several books about families with two moms and are just starting on families with two dads. We also have a book on how children can be conceived by artificial insemination, though we haven't started reading about reading it at bedtime yet. I think this is a conversation about sex, choices, gender, etc. that will be an ongoing process. Could this be an advantage of growing up in a non-standard family? I think it could be. So, thanks Martha for that insight and thanks to everybody who's written in. Mom stuff at discovery.com is where you can send your letters and you can also find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast and if you want to read what we're doing during the week you can head over to our website it's com. For more on this and thousands of other topics visit HowStuffWorks.com